Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. Today's guest is Jeff Johnson. We're going to be talking about his story of finding purpose and meaning, basically through tragedy, addiction, and death. And he can talk to us about how he got there, but beyond that, what his life was like before October 4th, 2016, and what his life was after. So I'm not going to give away the story because I think it is much more potent coming from him to describe what was that definitive date. But what I can tell you is as a result of that particular date, he has started website called Living Undeterred. He's got a movement that is currently seeking to help youth in mental health called Brighton. And this is what we're going to ultimately be talking about. But let's start with why he got there. Welcome, Jeff. Oh, thank you very much, Dana, for being on the show. I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, and I wish the context of the conversation was was different. But unfortunately, there's a lot of families uh, like ours out there that these mm -hmm. stories need to be heard. And as I continue this journey, I've been thrust upon uh, I'm reminded very frequently that this isn't a me story. This is a we narrative. Uh, this is about us and people that are hurting and people that are struggling and trying to find ways to remain optimistic uh, while being vulnerable, um, especially in today's Gen Z arena where there's so much despair and sadness and depression, things like that. Um, so yeah, here I am honored to have this conversation and um, see if we can help people navigate through the complexities of, of a lived experience, as I like to say. Of a lived experience. So let's start with that lived experience. What, what happened in October of 2016? What was the yeah, volume? Um, well, that day, uh, October 4, 2016, was like any other day in Iowa. It was a beautiful day, fall day. And uh, I was taking my middle son, Ian, to a golf tournament, just like a lot of dads and moms do around the world. And at that stage, I was 50 years old, married 21 years to my wife, Prudence, oldest son, Seth, 23, middle son, Ian, 15, and youngest son, Roman, 13. And that morning, I got a call that unfortunately, a lot of parents uh, get. Um, it's the call that we all dread. And I became a member of a club I didn't ask to join and one certainly I can never leave. And that's the parent of a child dead from fentanyl poisoning. Uh, and, and, and really, any call that involves a child dying is the same feeling. It doesn't matter what the cause is. But for us, you know, that wasn't what Seth was about. Seth wasn't about death in a hotel room with a needle in his arm with fentanyl. It was about the journey of a 16-year-old given Adderall for attention deficit and how that went from alcohol, marijuana, drunk driving, jail, breaking and entering, cocaine, prison, heroin, fentanyl, death, all with over seven-year time frame. And so 
I was thrust from having no interest in mental health advocacy or helping anyone with substance abuse and addiction to all of a sudden being in that arena. And what people didn't know is I was an alcoholic for 34 years. I was, well, I was what was called a functional alcoholic. Um, I started an investment company at 23. We had grown it up to about $800 million of assets under management. I had nine staff, seven full, seven advisors, pat myself on the back, you know, really had everything in control of my life, at least I thought. But what people didn't know is I was a alcoholic and a compulsive gambler. Um, and then when Seth died, all that kind of just came crumbling down. The foundation of my family fell apart. And for about 14 months after Seth died, my wife and I just consumed alcohol every day. And finally, on December 24, 2017, I decided to quit, Diana. I just looked in the mirror after many years of drinking and bearing a child. I just said, I'm done. And I haven't had drop sense and I don't play narratives like most people do. I just don't drink. It's that pragmatic for me. I don't call myself sober. That implies I'm in a fight. Um, I just don't drink. And if I did drink, I wouldn't torture myself. But it's been seven years. And um, I, I, it, it's amazing when you can trick your brain. You know, I don't consider myself highly intelligent whatsoever, if anything, the opposite. But I've been able to convince myself that I just don't need to participate in all the narratives that everyone else has to participate in. So for me, giving up and not drinking alcohol was more of getting my life back. But it didn't, it didn't work for my wife. Um, on June 29th, 2021, one day after our youngest son, Roman, turned 18, my wife died from alcoholism at the age of 46. So I went from age 50, top of the world, pat myself on the back, to seven, well, five years later, bearing my son and my wife to fentanyl and alcohol. Yet I stand in front of people every day and I tell them I'm a better man than I ever was and I'm not bitter. I'm full of love, hope, and inspiration, compassion, empathy. Um, the pity and sympathy ship has sank a long time ago. Um, but I'm just an average guy in Iowa. I, I don't consider myself anything anointed or special. So I can do this. I believe anyone can survive whatever life gives you as an opportunity. And death came into my life twice, not in the order I thought. Um, normally, it's your grandpa, your dad and mom, your maybe your spouse and never your children. Well, my 90-year-old dad's still alive, <laughs> but I've uh, you know witnessed some very unfortunate deaths in my life. So where this has gotten me, kind of wrap this all up here, then I'll stop talking, but I wrote a book. I did a, I do a podcast called Living Undeterred. I like to meet people that have resilient stories. Um, I understand that everybody's story is unique to them. Things like grief comparison, um, you know, imposter syndrome are all things that we all deal with. And you don't have to lose a child or lose a spouse to have devastation and destruction in your family with drugs and alcohol and mental illness. Uh, my story just happens to have that, but it doesn't mean mine's any better. It's just different. So that's pretty much a backdrop of what I'm about, who I am. Uh, my two boys, Ian and Roman, have done great things. We all we all deal with grief on our own way. Um, I've had some really dark moments as recently as two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a gun to my head in my safe or in my closet. Uh, counted down to 10. I got the three. And um, obviously, I didn't pull the trigger. And I thought about my two boys and about all the really good things I have in my life. And um, I'm here. And I hope in sharing this story that people can look at their own lives and say, wow, you know, 
if this guy can do it, I can do it too. And that's, that's what empowerment is about. Um, so how did you move from what you describe as that moment of despair with a gun to your head mm -hmm. to finding meaning and purpose out of that despair? How did you get there? It's hard. Um, it's very hard. I work at it daily, work at it every mm -hmm. moment of every day. And, you know, I decided I needed to reframe my life and I read about stoicism back in college and became a mm -hmm. very big stoic stoic believer uh epictetus marcus aurelius seneca you know some of the great stoics and i just love the simplicity of reframing things in your life as as you know death even can be reframed as opportunistic and not a punishment or a curse and i threw long meditation i meditate about 45 minutes every morning sometimes up to an hour um with my cat in my lap i just put my hand on his heart and I just feel him breathing and feel his love for me and my love for him. And all my worries tend to melt away in those hours that I meditate. And so I've just learned to observe my thoughts, I guess, is where I'm going with this and not, not, not be captured in thought where I identify or I hang on to thoughts. Um, but it's hard. It's not, I mean, I, sometimes I talk as if I've got this whipped and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a few thoughts away from having that gun back to my head. That's the way I look at it. And if I don't stay in prevention mode and work hard at, at my exercise and staying away from toxicity, I don't watch any TV. Um, most of my day I I'm in my advocacy where I'm writing or I'm on podcast or I'm doing my podcast. And I just kind of, I realize that it's easy for me to get pulled back into the abyss. And so I work extremely hard to stay out of it. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm 57. I, I'm so excited about the future. Um, my, my project Brighton is really where I, I want to spend the rest of my life. And that's empowering Gen Z to work on their mental wellness. And how are you promoting that in terms of mental wellness? How are you reaching Gen Z to, for that mission? Yeah, yeah, well, we have a really amazing Gen Z advisory board right now. And we've got some, we launched in September of, of uh, 23. So just about a, a month or two ago. We're in 10 countries right now. Um, we've got about 400, we call them thrivers. So we don't call them users on our app because obviously the word user has a bad connotation to me. So we call the kids thrivers. Um, and we are injecting them with love and hope and inspiration and empowering them to self-assess and autonomously build what we're calling their own their own mental wellness plan, similar to what adults have for financial plans. Um, it's hard because I'm up against TikTok and Instagram and all the things that are just pumping them full of dopamine and serotonin. And it's very difficult for us to do an app that's that I know in my heart they need to have, but I'm up against some of these things. But you know what? I, I, I'm a fighter. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, my, my brand's living undeterred. So obviously I can't be deterred. Go. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, the initiative, the Brighton initiative, stems from our son seth when he died at 23 uh three weeks after his death his daughter was born and uh mm -hmm. her name is brighton and mm -hmm. uh i pick her up at 3 30 today for halloween and um i'm so excited to see her and uh she's seven and so you know this isn't about you know anything other than love and inspiration and mm -hmm. you know she's seven and, and her dad is gone and you know i'm 57 and my dad's still alive so you know, 
I don't want her to grow up and use this as a reason to become an alcoholic or an addict or to take her own life or to have these issues. And I, I need to be very hypersensitive in how I roll this out to her and present this as opportunistic for her uh, as a gift to still be here, you know, and honor her dad through living a, an intentional life. Um, so we'll see. She's only seven. We don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> But, um, but you're working on resilient skills with her, I would imagine, all the yeah. time. What does that look yeah, we, like? Let's say she has beautiful. a bad day or she, you pick her up at 3.30 and she's you yeah. know, agitated. Something happened at school. How do you approach that with her? Say grandpa has bad days all the time. Um, every time you have a bad day, you're closer to a good day. You know, 100% of your bad days don't last. You've survived 100% of the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So for a child, you can frame it that way. Think of the worst thing that you've ever incurred in your life. 100% of the time, you've made it to today. So what makes you think you can't make the next one? You know, Set these kids up for success and not chop them down. And that's the mindset we have to have as adults. You know, We created these problems. Kids didn't create the cell phone. They didn't create social media. They didn't create all the things that they see today. We did. And so I think we have an obligation as adults and as parents to you know design the processes and the systems not to tell them what not to do. That's a that's a huge difference in mindset. That's a the prevention mindset to me is just I'm in empowerment. I, I'm into love and inspiration, and I don't tell my kids Choice. what not to do. Choice. I tell them, yeah, I tell them the good things that can happen, the ripple effect. You know, when you tell somebody, hey, you know, uh, I like what you're wearing, or hey, I like what you said. Instead of chopping them down, that ripple effect is huge. And if we all did that every day to strangers mm -hmm. and people we didn't know and just said compliments and be nice to people. We all did that. 7 billion of us. I mean, think mm -hmm. of what we could do. It's scary. It's a ribbon of love. That's what I hear when you yeah. say that. I see it. I can imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very grateful. I, I really am. I'm, you know, I talked to my, I talked to someone the other day who lost somebody and, um, I got to be kind of careful how I phrase it because I don't want to make it about me, but I just said, you know, one thing that's helped me is my wife was 46. Married, we were married 21 years. You know, she could have died at 40. She could have died mm -hmm. at 30, but she didn't. I had 21 great years with her. I didn't have 17. I had 21. So Seth died at 23. Well, he could have died at five. So, you know, even though he's 23 and I could think the other way around, oh, I wish he would have made it to 70 and see grandkids and great grandkids. But you know what? He made it to as far as he was going to make it. And it's my obligation. It's my job to continue his legacy through talking about him. And I tell my boys all the time is that mom and brother really die when we stop talking about them. And in my, on my watch, that's not going to happen. Even as hard as it gets, um, I'm reminded by some people I need to, I need to tone it down because uh, I'm a grinder, you know. And um, But for me with attention deficit, I have to do that. I don't know what else to do. I just, I can't sit around and do nothing. And a lot of people are like that, you know, mm -hmm. being, being in action, Absolutely. you know. I can see that. And I can see that in you, for you listeners who aren't watching us. He's sitting very still, but the energy is very palpable. I never was this way. I was the most hyper intense and through um, my meditation uh, I don't talk about this a lot, but I've, I've been on two psychedelic experiences all this year. First time in my life, mm -hmm. they've, they changed my DNA literally. 
They changed um, my gratitude I have, my compassion I have. It just opened up my mind to areas that I've never tapped before. I can't explain what happened, but it, it certainly benefited me. I'm not an advocate for these things, but I am an advocate for curiosity and exploration of your own journey. That's what I'm an advocate Safely. Of. Safely. Yeah. I want to put it out there. Safely. Yes. Yeah. Hey, yeah. this is coming from a dad that lost a son to a needle in his arm. So, and with through fentanyl. So, you, you know that if I'm going to go down that road and try something that the indigenous people have been using for thousands of years that is not made in a lab, um, I certainly need to be careful. Um, you know, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I, I think for anyone out there watching shows like this and listening, it's it's important to understand that, you know, you have a doctor, you have people that you talk to, um, you have medicines that you take, you know, I'm not any of that stuff. Um, you know, I'm just here to share my personal story, give you bits of data that you can then take your own journey, um, figure out what works for you. Um, some people, it's it's whatever, you know, for me, I know it works for Jeff and I keep focusing heavy on those things because i never ever want to go back to that closet mm -hmm. and sit there and you know the scariest thing diana was i was i was comfortable leaving i was comfortable mm -hmm. with death mm -hmm. that terrifies me to this day that i actually was okay with dying um i don't want to go back there i'm i'm absolutely terrified i'll do anything to never go back to that spot in my closet ever that was just two years ago that was after my book. That was after my podcast. That was after my advocacy, all the keynotes I've done. I still got to the abyss and I will fight mm -hmm. tooth and nail every moment of every day to never go back to that spot. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Stoics come in. That is where yeah. that mindset comes in. I can see that. There, there's something called ever? negative visualization. There's something called negative visualization that I wanted to just throw out there real quick sure. and that's a stoic practice of actually you know let's say you're tucking your child into bed and you just breathe through your nose look at your child close your eyes and just for a fleeting moment imagine that they aren't there you know what would your life be like and then when you open your eyes and you realize that they're there your heart fills up with gratitude that you know i, I don't have that opportunity with seth and so I'm so grateful for everybody that has that opportunity with their children. I'm not jealous of them. I'm grateful that you can hug your grandkids and you can hug your kids because I can hug two of my three, you know, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for my memories I have with my wife. And um, that's what keeps me out of the abyss. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I really appreciate your vulnerability, your, you know, your genuine wisdom about nobody has these things licked. They are daily mm -hmm. practices. They are daily struggles. They are daily confrontations with our sometimes worst selves and sometimes our best selves. But what I really appreciate about your message is that we still, despite the struggle, the abyss, the darkness, we still need to get and talk about it. And we still need mm -hmm. to be doing what we can do for the next generation who are struggling. So I'm going to ask listeners to check out Brighton. I'm going to ask listeners to check out Undeterred. What is the best way to reach the Undeterred, Living Undeterred? Yeah, yeah it's just, it's www.livingundeterred.com. 
And then my nonprofit is www.livingunaturd.org, but um, .com works fine. And there's lots of um, information. Uh, I'm producing a documentary for next summer on our tour. So that's the RV that we drove around the United States. Yeah. So one funny story about attention deficit, Diana, is I went out and bought that RV after never being in an RV my entire lifetime. Um, I took 10 copies of my book up to Camping World and I convinced him to, to give me a really good deal. And they did. I went out and got it fully wrapped the next week. And then I went on LinkedIn and told everybody I was going to drive around the United States for 95 days last summer. And I did. Um, I did it. And um, we drove 20,000 miles. I met with 38 nonprofits in 35 states. It almost killed me. But at the same time, it was the most honest, authentic, humbling journey. I took my two boys with me. Um, mm. And I wanted to raise a million dollars. I raised about 35,000. I didn't get any corporate help. I didn't get any support. I got some support, but I kept telling the boys and we we're sitting to KOAs at two in the morning and my staff saying, Hey, we got to get some more money in the account. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll write it. I'll, I'll do it. I said, the boys, this is what undeterred is all about. You know, I, I'm not going to sit around and wait for people to help me. I'm going to go out and do it. And if people want to join, jump on board, fine. If not, I'm going to keep going. That's my son, Seth in the middle. That's my yeah. wife on the right. Um, A different life. A different life. Yeah, but it, it, it's it was great then and it's great now. But it's just a different. I, I tell people the weight of my tears are different. They were weighted down mm -hmm. with sorrow and anger, and now it's hope and love. And um, that's my two. Those are my two boys. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a lucky man. I am. I really am. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I feel like a lucky interviewer today to be able to have spent this time with you. And for those listening, I hope you will let these words seep in today and really um, take care of your own mental health. Thank you all. This has been an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet. If you enjoyed this, please like it on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.